The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. Welcome back to my chat with Matt Hornsby. I hope you enjoyed part one. Now it's time to hear part two of Matt's story. Do you feel your life so far, Matt, speaking of adversity, do you feel as if you're now kind of better equipped because you've been diagnosed? Yeah, mate, definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, this is probably going to get super deep, but it's just like when you've had something that's that much of a scare. And I think, you know, when you're like probably the same as you when you're 19, 24, like you think you're bulletproof, you think you're untouchable, right? You're just like, oh, nothing's going to touch me. And then, you know, you think you're healthy, you go into the gym. And when this happens and you're like, oh, my God, like, you know, when you're in DKA, when you're when you're really, really poorly, you're, you're not that far from not being here anymore, which is a scary thing to think about. And um, I think it gives you that new sense of mortality. And it just gives you that sense of, like, things that really used to stress me out just don't because it's like, you know, oh, something might be going wrong at work or, you know, some kind of external factor might be stressing me out. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, that's bad. But have you ever had a blood sugar of 2.2? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, it just, um, yeah, it really, really kicks things into perspective. And I say that it's kind of, it, it's weird. And a lot of people wouldn't really understand this unless they've been in the same position. And I guess most type ones would, but like, yeah, it's, it's probably made me a lot more relaxed because I think it just gives you that like, do you know what? Let's just crack on with it. Every single day I wake up, if my bloods are in range, I'm still here. I'm still healthy. Just enjoy absolutely everything for what it is. And I think it really, really changes your mindset like that. And it just gives you like, yeah, it, took, it wasn't like this straight away. Don't get me wrong. But I think when you've had it for a little while, it just makes you really appreciate everything. And it's given me a lot more positivity because it's just like really kicks into perspective what actually matters. Yeah, that's an amazing perspective to have. And I think it's it's strange to have that from something that is so constant. And yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And I feel exactly the same way about my own diabetes. It's like, because you're hit with that brick of like, oh my God, you're not as invincible as you thought at the age of 19. And you realize how fragile your health can be to a certain extent. It gives you that heightened appreciation for your own health now your family's health your friends whatever it might be and i think that's a massive positive that you can take from being diagnosed and as you said it wasn't like that for you all the time 
you obviously went through your difficult times as we all do. Yeah. But was there anything for you, Matt, that helped you develop the sort of perspective and mindset that you have now? It's, it was a lot. I think, um, yeah, I think the people around me at the time were just incredible. I had such a good support network. I think that, um, like consuming as much education about diabetes as I could really, really helped because I think that learning about it took away the kind of scary part of it a bit because I feel like if I understand something, then I can take the necessary steps to control it. And honestly, mate, like a big part of that was genuinely this podcast and other diabetes podcasts are out there because I think you can be told so much by people, you know, sat in a doctor's office but listening to people like you and various other people in the instagram community who actually live with it every day you're like okay hold on you know you see someone like owen who's in great shape he trains a lot you see other people who are further down the line with it and you're like look these people are are all flourishing and living great lives and that's an incredible thing to see so i think that's um yeah it was things like that you know consuming as much knowledge as I could about it to understand it and then just reminding myself by seeing other people who are really doing well with it was like actually I'm going to be fine about it and then going on from that it was such a buzz that I was like right I'm at this stage now I understand it to a degree I'm living well with it to a degree now what can I take from my experience to give this new feeling to other people and that's where it all just clicked so well into the personal training side of things because I was like if I can help through my coaching and my background in fitness with this new edge of learning about living with diabetes like that's when it when it really clicks and I had a few key clients that just really changed everything for me and that was just like yeah it was huge man and I think that was a massive part of the mindset boost yeah, I love that. And I think the fact that you made or you mentioned your your training being a big part of that is is very important because again, I, I feel exactly like you do. Yeah. Because when you have the experience of living with type one, but you also have the experience of the background in fitness too, 99% of the people that I work with and have worked with want to fe- want to work with me and feel reassured and I suppose safer work with me because I have type one because oftentimes yeah. they can work with with coaches and trainers that just don't understand it you know yeah. not, nothing against them at all but no. as anybody living with type one knows unless you live with the condition you don't understand it to its true extent you just don't it's yeah it's a 24 hour, seven days a week thing. You have to have it to really understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Unless I suppose you're, you're the parent of a young child too. Obviously you're just as involved with that. Yeah, that is true. That is true. What are some of the main struggles that you see new clients come to you with Matt? (sighs) Um, I'd say that a, a, a pretty common client that will come and join me are guys who want to gain muscle who are type one. So I think that, um, I think that a real difficulty they see is getting themselves into a calorie surplus without, um, getting their bloods into like crazy high ranges. Mm-hmm. And I think really the, the way we work around that is it's just working with them to say, right, you know, you you've got control of your insulin you can tell me your your basal and your 
and your insulin to carb ratio, but let, let's just think about what you're actually eating. So you're telling me that, you know, you're trying to get into a calorie surplus, but you're never tracking, right? And you're throwing down these mass gainer shakes that are literally like 200 grams of basically sugar in them. And then and then you're wondering why your, your bloods are going crazy. So really it's just, it's just working with them intensively to make sure that they're eating the right kind of foods, they're getting into a calorie surplus and they're consistently tracking. And with that, it's them learning how their bloods react to it, how their individual body reacts to it as we go, reviewing it on a week by week basis. And it's just that slow transition into actually, you know, I can control my bloods and eat in a calorie surplus. And when I train, I'm more insulin sensitive. So I need less basal. And that's just where it all starts to click. So yeah, that's a big one I see people focus with. It's just um is trying to get into a into a surplus, but but you know, controlling their bloods. Mm. And I think that's, and again, even from my own experience, working with people looking for the same result, build muscle and that that being their goal, primarily that will be one of their main concerns because inevitably the more food that you're eating, the more insulin you're going to require. Of course. And if you're eating more food, you're taking more insulin, the room for error is greater in terms of if your ratio is that bit off or if your timing is off or do I need yeah. to spit a bolus for certain meals, the larger your meals and the more food you're eating, inevitably there's more room for error with that. So I think the important thing is to always incrementally increase calories as you go rather than somebody who's eating 1500 calories a day next week starts eating 3,500, oh, you know, yeah, because completely. it's a massive jump. And a, a, a big change in terms of even just primarily insulin intake. It's a huge change. And, and even for, you know, for like a, like a non-diabetic client, implementing that many calories out of nowhere, like you're just going to gain so much water and edema yeah. from, from just that shock of all those extra calories. And it's just not going to be beneficial. I think you can, you can still grow so much in that gently staircase in the calories up phase so it's like why would you miss all that growth just by throwing in some calories and and then when you factor in right i've got to adjust my basal to that and my body's got to set into these new calories like you're mm. throwing in an absolute mindful so i think yeah i completely agree with what you're saying it's just like gently gently working these things up and just really really intensively reviewing it and i think that's what's like quite interesting about coaching other type ones as opposed to kind of general population clients if it was just normally like gen pop clients i'd probably only do a check-in via video and we'd only talk over whatsapp and that'd really be all that was necessary to get them to where they need to be but i actually much prefer jumping on the phone with my clients now because i think that that's where they can have a chance to talk to me and say right look this is what issues I'm having this week or I had this meal and it made me crazy spike or I had a hypo in the gym and, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I think that's, um, yeah, that's, that's I'm sure exactly the same things that you find working with clients that are type one. They just need that extra level of, of, of contact just to really discuss those individual issues that could be so unique to them. 100%. And as I said, as, as we both said before, it's just that, added layer of complication to your exercise your sleep your stress your food essentially everything in your life yeah matt do you feel as if when you work with a diabetic client compared to a quote-unquote normal client without diabetes 
do you ever get the impression that somebody living with diabetes has more of a limiting belief in terms of what they feel they can achieve? It's, um, I think, I think it's so individual. I think that that limiting belief definitely can exist from, from seeing, you know, other things that, that non-diabetic clients are achieving. But I think that limit, that limiting belief can, can quickly be, can be gone. Do you know what I mean? I think that, um, I think one that I've seen quite commonly is people who are going from home workouts to actually moving into a gym environment is there's a real concern that they're out of their their little bubble at home, their sort of comfort bubble, and that as soon as they're going to get in the gym, they're going to have a really bad hypo and they're not going to know how to deal with it. That's, that's like a real concern for a lot of people that I see. And, um, and I've said, you know, obviously to all of them, just take it step by step. Obviously have plenty of hypo treatments with you. Test, test and test again, just because we want to see exactly what your bloods are doing, what's that trend looking like. And it's when you spot those trends, you can get that consistency and you can better plan for it. And before you know, it's just going to be second nature. So yeah, I think that's that's um, that's definitely a limiting belief is for some of my clients who are newer to the world of fitness, where they're just moving from that that comfort zone at home into an actual gym. I think there definitely is concerns about about managing their diabetes in that new environment. Yeah, and I think the important thing, as you said, trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, because mm. the best way to learn about your diabetes is always getting as much data as possible. Yeah, completely. And one of my clients went to a children's diabetic camp when she was a child. And one of the main things and the quote that stuck out to her that she passed on to me, that stuck out to me, <laughs> that somebody gave her in the in the camp was, there's no such thing as a good or a bad blood sugar. It's just information. And I yeah, think... So true. How we respond to our highs, how we respond to our lows, how we analyze and acknowledge that information is very, very important because if we acknowledge it, understand it and analyze it, it gives us the ability moving forward to say, right, what do I need to change? Or what do I need to do differently? Or why did that happen? Yeah. You know, because if we aren't paying attention to why lows are happening or why highs are happening at certain times a day or around different types of activities that we're doing, we don't know what adjustments to make. And that's yeah. where the complication can come in, where we're kind of blind to our blood sugar in the sense of we're not paying attention to what we're doing now and how it's impacting us in the future. And what I always say is there's no set time for our blood sugar. What I mean, what I mean by that is our blood sugar is constantly a continuation of itself. And it's That's like, so true. what I did two hours ago is affect my blood sugar right now. What yeah. I'm doing right now is going to affect my blood sugar in two hours, potentially. Yeah. So that's why I always, with clients, keep the kind of consistent management there, not obsessing over it, but understanding that the simple fact, my nighttime routine is going to have a direct impact on my overnight blood sugar. And my overnight blood sugar is going to have a direct impact on my morning blood sugar. And yeah. then my morning blood sugar is going to have a direct impact on my blood sugar for the rest of the day. So 
if we're in the mindset of that constant continuation of what did I do? What am I doing? And what am I going to do? And how is my blood sugar going to react? It lets us kind of open up our mind to analyze how different things affect our blood sugar at different times. Yeah, completely. And I think once you get that mindset, it's, it's what completely changes your management. And I want to touch briefly on what you said about, um, about it's just data, your blood sugar. And I think that's so key. I think that when we have an emotional attachment to a blood sugar reading, you know, we've, we've all been guilty of it, right? At some point where your blood sugar is really high and you kind of like rage bolus and you put way too much insulin in because you just in that moment think it's going to come down anyway faster, mm. right? And it's just when you do those things that you just get yourself into all sorts of problems. And I think, yeah, it's so key. Like don't emotionally attach yourself to a blood sugar number. Obviously, right, no one wants to wake up in the morning and see their blood sugar at like 18. It's not ideal. It's not a good feeling. But if you can detach yourself from the emotional side of things and just look at it like a number. And, and as you say perfectly, like, what did I do last night before I went to bed? What's my basal at? You know, what was my activity yesterday? Did I spend the whole day in bed or did I climb a mountain or train legs? And it's when you look at it like data rather than an emotion, you can really take a step back and start to analyze it. And that's when you can crack it. That's when you can really think, cool, right, I'm getting it now. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at what was it doing last week? How did I act? And the more data that you get and the more you can educate yourself about it and analyze it, that's when you can really just boss your diabetes. Mm. 100% couldn't agree more. And I think what I always say and what I will continue to say is if we can analyze our blood sugar objectively instead of react emotionally, we're already at an advantage. And I was yeah. actually only speaking about this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago about how oftentimes it's not the number itself that pisses us off or that frustrates us or makes us rage bolus. From my experience, it's what we associate that number with. Yeah. You know, am I associating it with me not being in control of my bloods? Am I associating it with longer term complications? Yeah. Is it the sudden realization of the condition I'm living with? You know, am I annoyed because people around me don't have to deal with it? Yeah. And it's more so the attachment to what that means rather than the number staring back because the number is just information. The number is just data. So yeah. as you say, if you can separate yourself from that, as difficult as it is at times, we've all been there oh, yeah. where sometimes you want to just throw your phone out the window. Yeah. But um, yeah. what I say too is in those moments where we feel like throwing our phone out the window, that's the only time that we can actually practice responding in a better way. Uh, yeah, exactly. And when, when you respond in that better way, you've got power over it, man. Like you've got power over your diabetes because if it if it doesn't rattle you when it's like, two o'clock in the morning and you're having a high blood sugar or you're sat there like you know slurping a lucasade down in your kitchen <laughs> like if you can if you can stay cool in those situations like you've got power over it and you've got that power to really understand it and that's where like the mindset side of things is so so important with diabetes and i think that you know it's really like touching on things like really taking care of your mental health minimizing stress and just like 
yeah, all, all those different factors will help so much with it because I think it is such a mental game as well. And I think if you're overreacting, or not even overreacting, but if you're emotionally reacting to seeing your blood sugars and thinking, you know, oh, is it high? You know, I feel like I've let myself down. I feel like, you know, like no one else has got to deal with this. Why me? All those sort of things. Like the more you can self-manage your mental health and your mindset, the less those things are going to occur and vice versa. If you can train yourself to not get really angry all the time when those things happen, then yeah, you're, you're just going to have more power of your diabetes. And that's when you can really, really start to control it. I love that power over your diabetes. It's a, a yeah. powerful phrase to use. Yeah, 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 fully. What I love about your Instagram as well, Matt, is how you obviously put a massive emphasis on fitness and how to manage your bloods around your exercise and the type mm. of training that you do. But I also love how you show when you're out on a night out, you're obviously drinking alcohol, out yeah. with friends, having a good time. Yeah. How do you find that balance between somebody who is obviously goal orientated? You love your train and you work and train very hard. Yeah. How do you balance that with social life and drinking and, and going out? Do you know what? It's, it's always, always the kind of the, the devil and the angel on my shoulder pulling me one way <laughs> or the other, honestly, because, you know, like I'm still only 26. I live with my best mate. We, you know, we, we do have a, a really good social life and a great group of lads around us. But I think it's just, um, yeah, it will just be, I'll hit points where I'm like, right, I need to really focus on my training now. You know, I've had like a few nights out this month. Let's just, let's just dig into it. And it's just having that kind of dedication. I think it's, um, the, the goals really help as well, right? Because I'll know that say like, say at the moment, the current time I've got this photo shoot coming up and I'll know that, right, I owe it to myself to bring the best for this goal. And it might not be that. It might be like a client who is training for a wedding or they want to look really good for a holiday. Like you've just got to think about where you want to be because time goes very, very quickly when you're in like a eight, 10 week prep. And yeah, you just need to need to know when to chill out and when you need to kind of drop the hammer. Like it's, it's, it's always a catch 22 because I don't want to, you know, look back and think oh yeah like i was shredded when i was younger but i was really boring but i also don't want to just you know just party all the time and then you know i'm not truly living up to my fitness potential and i'm not really setting the best example for my clients so yeah it's it's, it's just kind of like reviewing it on a week-by-week -week basis if i feel like you know like like for example i had a few drinks and went out for dinner last weekend and i did the same the weekend before i'm like right okay now i've got you know my coach because all coaches should have coaches. I fully agree with this, you know. We, we, we still need to have someone to keep us accountable. So, you know, I've got my coach and my friends, you know, like, all right, come on, let's crack on. So that's when you sort of think, right, I need a few more weeks of just like, let's get ahead of the game again. I love that. Coaches need coaches. I always work with coaches because it's nice for somebody to do a job that we do with our clients with mm. us. Completely. You know, all, because yeah. you see the value in it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I'll be honest, when I started working with my most recent coach, like everything has just massively benefited, you know, yeah. mindset, exercise, business, everything. And you see the value because sometimes, and I suppose even from my own experience, I've at times been very stubborn to think ah, I can do everything myself. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure you probably were like that at some stage too. Oh, of course, of course. And when you realize and you understand 
the unbelievable benefit that a coach offers you. It's like, why haven't I been doing this my whole life? Honestly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so so true. I think like for me, I realized it. I initially started the first time I ever had a coach was like a business coach. So I had someone help me launch T1 training and it was, um, yeah, it was great. And I just sort of realized, I was like, wow, this is actually so useful. Like, you know, I've always been quite keen to work towards my fitness goals, but actually if I get a coach to help me work towards it, you know, can I ring out a bit more potential? And sure enough, you know, when you get a coach, everything else kicks into gear. And it's even like, you know, I think it's always useful seeing another coaching business from the inside out. You know, you can't deny it. So it's an absolute help. And it's interesting to see how other people work. Like today is my check-in day for all my clients, but also it's my check-in day with my coach. And I got a message at three o'clock this morning reminding me to check in because that's when he's starting to do his check-ins. And you're like, wow, if someone is- Three o'clock in the morning, he's doing them. Three o'clock this morning. He was, he was <laughs> waking lunatic. up start doing his check-ins. <laughs> Because this dude's got like 130 clients, right? Wow. So he's just full on. Like, I don't know when he sleeps. It's mental. Mm. But yeah, three o'clock in the morning, he was up messaging people like, right, time to check in today. That's commitment. And what I love yeah. about it is your blind spots are picked out, you know? Yeah. And it's what we do with our clients, Matt, if we pick out blind spots with their bloods or their routine mm. or their food or their insulin or their training, whatever it might be on the surface they can't see so yeah. it's refreshing and reassuring and and it just boosts your confidence when somebody can do that for you because yeah. everybody has blind spots with everything that they do absolutely another thing that jumped out at me what you said there matt earlier was how when you were kind of not doubting yourself but questioning oh should i train or should i go out because you've, <laughs> you've a good social life how you remind yourself of why you're doing what you're doing yeah and oftentimes i think clients need to remind themselves and obviously our job as coaches we need to remind them of why they're doing what they're doing because it can be very difficult to start a new program it can be very difficult to even pay more attention to your blood sugar and implement all these different new tactics and strategies around your routine sometimes it can potentially feel overwhelming and then if somebody is overwhelmed too much which in my opinion i don't i don't think they should be if if somebody's doing their job right yeah but they then can be discouraged and kind of unmotivated to to do what they need to do but when you're reminded of well this is the reason why i actually started this thing you know i'm not losing weight just because i want to see a lower number i'm losing weight because i want more energy i don't want to sleep better i want to look better i want to feel more attractive i want to be more confident and i think that's absolutely when we understand the reason why we're doing something then it's easier to push through when it's hard because it's always going to be hard at some point when you're doing anything in your life and yeah in particular, anything new because you're out of your comfort zone to a certain extent. So reminding yourself of why am I doing what I'm doing? So what sort of advice or or even practical guidance would you offer a client if they're going through that where they're like, oh, I'm not bothered or they're losing motivation or they don't want to be consistent? What would you say to them or what sort of guidance would you offer? 
it's uh, it's an interesting one actually this is one something i'm going through with one of my girls at the moment and um i think that what i would say to her is i say that a transformation in your health is a marathon not a sprint all right and, and you can't expect like instant gratification it's going to take a lot of time but i think what we really discuss is it's about okay we've got the end goal and that might be a weight it might be an hba1c it might be you know like if, if it's a type 2 client it might be just moving into that pre-diabetic range but um but it's about having the end goal but also we've got milestones to work towards so i'll say right this week's been great but what i really need from you is to see another kilo off the scales next week okay and you're going to do this by having you know x amount of sessions in the gym x amount of cardio you know don't don't miss a day on your macros and it's about yeah i think the thing that really really kind of keeps people going is have that end goal in mind always remember what the why is and why you started but having those mini goals and those stepping stones and it's the the classic phrase of those little things will add up to something really really big over time but if you're not highlighting those little things and just drilling in like right this is the next goal you've got six days make it happen come on don't let yourself down and it's having those little things to work towards each week that will suddenly add up and you're like oh my god look here i am i've lost like six seven kilos and i've dropped dress size and i'm feeling great for this holiday do you know what i mean so i think it really is yeah just having those little goals to work towards that are achievable yeah i think that's the big thing to keep you consistent and yeah one of my favorite quotes if i can remember correctly even though <laughs> it's one of my favorite quotes it's like motivation is doing something when you feel like doing it mm. but discipline is doing it regardless of how you feel absolutely could not agree more and it's it, that's what's going to carry you through like look you and me both said how much we love fitness but i guarantee there's some mornings where you or some days where you just cannot be bothered to go to the gym right we all have them and it's like no matter how much sleep you've had even if you have a pre-workout whatever like some days you just cannot be bothered but you've just got to sit there and think right why am i actually doing this you know i've got to remember the goal and if i really really want it not going isn't going to be a question because you've just you just do it because you are that dedicated to the end goal and i think oftentimes the days that you don't feel like doing anything they're the days when it's most important because oh, mate, they're, they're, they're pr days they're the days <laughs> yeah exactly and and the way i always look at that is no one well from my life experience up to this point no one has ever regretted exercising no No, one has ever felt like crap gone out for a walk and then felt worse afterwards mate the the only such thing as a bad workout is the one that you didn't do yeah (laughs) i love that always say and that's it and i think when you remind yourself of that short-term benefit of look i don't really want to go to the gym today or i don't want to go for a walk or i don't want to go for a run but when you remind yourself of the instant benefit you're going to have, that should be the reason to get you going. And yeah. as I said earlier, you don't need to pump the gym six days a week to see the benefit of exercise. If you go out for a 30-minute walk, you're going to feel better. You're going to clear the head. You're going to feel more energized. Yeah. Your bloods are going to be easier to manage. They'll thank so you for it. if you have those days and... I do have those days, as we all do, where you're like, oh, I don't want to do anything. Remind yourself of once I get out the door, that's the hardest part done. Because when it's done and you're home, you'll feel 
10 times, 100 times better for it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Matt, I feel like I could talk to you all day, to be honest, but we've, we're touching on an hour and a half now, which is yeah, longer than I told on. you it would be. So I'm looking forward to obviously staying in touch as absolutely. we have done. And as I said, I'm delighted that we finally got to have this conversation because I've been following you for a while now, loving what you're putting out. So I'm looking forward to staying in touch in the future. But before I let you go, I have one more question for you. And it is a bit of a strange one. I get some some, uh, contrasting (laughs) responses, but it's one I always like to finish on. And it is, Matt, if you had the opportunity to thank your diabetes for something, what would that be? Man, listen, I knew this one was coming. I'm an avid podcast listener. (laughs) (laughs) And I would just say I would thank it for... The way it's changed me, uh, the way it's changed how I think about everyday life, um, the way it's caused me the shift in mindset and the way it's made me really be grateful and appreciate the people around me and the position that I'm in. Because I think that, yeah, it, is, it just makes you more grateful. It really humbles you and it makes you realize that, look, nothing's forever. You know, life is so fragile, but the people around you and the situation you're in are here today. You've woken up healthy. So just enjoy it and make the most of every single day. Love that. And I think a lot of people listening will be able to take something from that and take something from this whole episode because you've had and offered some unbelievable golden nuggets of information around exercise, training, mindset, everything from your experience. So greatly appreciate your time, Matt. And I uh, look forward to getting this episode out. Honestly, man, thank you for having me. It's been great. It's been so cool being on the other side of the podcast. Super, (laughs) super cool moment. And yeah, man, looking forward to staying in contact. And I cannot wait to hear what other guests and what other podcasts you put out. Legend. Before I let you go, where can people find out more about you? Where can they connect with you and learn a bit more? So you can find me. I've taken a little social media break, but we're back at it. You can find me at T1 underscore Matt with two T's on Instagram do feel free to hit me up in the DMs. I'm always up for chatting with other people who are type one. And yeah, man, hit me up at T1 underscore Matt on Instagram. Look forward to chatting to you all. Gentlemen, Matt, thanks so much. I appreciate the time and I'll chat to you soon. Amazing. Chat to you soon, bro. Take it easy. Another big, big thank you to Matt for coming on. I really enjoyed that episode. And what jumped out at me the most, and I know I said at the start of the podcast, but what really jumped out at me talking to Matt, and I'm sure you noticed it too, was that Matt isn't even type 1 diabetic for over three years yet. And what he knows and his experience already in the training that he does and his knowledge around nutrition and even just the mindset he has around his diabetes and the perspective and the outlook that he has is unbelievable to hear because As we know, it can be a very overwhelming and consuming condition. So the fact that he was able to be diagnosed at 24 in the height of the pandemic and still develop the mindset and the work ethic around his, like the discipline he has for training and nutrition is just amazing to hear. So I know you listening will get a lot of value from that too. And if you haven't, followed Matt on Instagram or socials just yet, make sure you do because it'll certainly get you motivated to go out there (laughs) and exercise and join the gym or even just go out for a walk each day because 
the videos and the information that Matt puts up and puts out there is something that will get you going big time. And he himself is a machine and it's inspiring to see a diabetic lift such heavy weights, train consistently, be in great shape. So be sure to follow him at T1 underscore Matt. And as always, like every week, I appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate your time and your ears and your focus and attention because oftentimes we can lose attention and focus quite quickly this day and age. So we appreciate you staying with the podcast for for this time. There's so much more to come. There's a lot we're excited about. We can't wait to bring it out for you. Until next week, have a good day. Have a good week. Look after those blood sugars. Make those good decisions. Do what you can. Take it easy.